Welcome to the Hedgehog Watchdog. I'm your host, Devin Saxon, joined by Greg Baldwin. We are the dream team behind Libertarian Party of South Dakota and South Dakotans Against Prohibition. Uh, episode is sponsored by PinkCoin.com. Our guest today is Jared Baldwin, former at-large member of the Libertarian Party of South Dakota, also a veteran of Iraq. And today's episode is Afghanistan. Right. We were supposed to have uh, Uriah on as well. Uh, I have not heard from him, so I don't know if he's coming. Uh, he's a veteran as well, a uh, little bit before the war on terror, though. So, But it's always good uh, to get a veteran's uh, perspective on current events right now. Uh, I mean, we can all have opinions, of course, but good to hear from the people that were actually over there jared was not in afghanistan however he is a veteran of the war on terror and uh was in iraq a couple times how many times were you in iraq three fun-filled times an average stay was uh what 18 months or a year or 40 months total Jeez. yeah yeah about 130 degrees there. Well, no, it depends on the season. Uh, but uh, I think my hottest days over there were uh, oh, easily 120 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. But you know, go ahead and add uh, you know your gear and your body armor and the fact that you're out there, you know, doing something, not just sitting in a lawn chair and enjoying a nice tea. Uh, your Humvee have can a, be beautiful though. <laughs> Did your Humvee have air conditioning at least? Uh, I call it uh, what it did was keep you from dying. <laughs> uh, it didn't didn't actually cool you, but uh, if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be able to be inside them. Up armored Humvees—they don't breathe exactly, kind of on purpose. So three tours in Iraq. Uh, what when you were in uh, Bag? You were by Baghdad or in Baghdad, weren't you? Uh, in and around Baghdad, most of the time. Um, yeah, I, I like to say I don't need a GPS to get around Baghdad. I know it that well. How big <clears> is Baghdad? But, uh, oh, it's a major metropolitan city. I mean, it's. Yeah. I'm just making this number up, but it's a few million. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, the first time I was there, I was smack dab in the city center. I uh, did 12 months downtown, smack dab downtown Baghdad. And then I, we moved out towards the airport and uh, some other stuff. We, we were the first unit to, how do I word this correctly? Whatever. It's kind of commonplace now, but, uh, uh, we got extended. I had literally called our mother from uh, Baghdad with, with uh, at the airport with all my bags packed and our vehicles all ready to be, you know, shipped out. And uh, uh, so I, all right, mom. Uh, next time I talk to you, I'll be uh, calling you from from Germany. And no sooner did I like hang up the phone than the army said, Nah, never mind. Uh, what was it that kept us there? 
Was it the... That's what we went up there for the second time. I'm not necessarily for certain what like kept us, if there was like a specific event that kept us there, other than the us being a, how do you want to put it? Us being the good guys and, and them being happy to see us had wore off by the time my 12 months was over. That's when the insurgency was just starting to, <clears throat> oh, wait, hold on. Uh, not everybody's uh, shaking their hands and kissing babies and offering us ice water. Uh, some of these people are planting roadside bombs. and mm -hmm. uh, So they extended us for that extra three months, which we spent down in, uh, where was it, Mamadia, southern, south of Baghdad, starting to get into the Sunni Triangle. And then, let's see, the second time I went, uh, they were trying to draw back troops. Uh, so my brigade was what they called the theater reserve. We had deployment orders, but we were only going to Kuwait in case, just in case something would happen. Well, it didn't take long for something to happen. <laughs> uh, about three months in, uh, what was his name? That Jordanian Abu, oh, come on. Al-Zakari. Yeah, Al-Zakari uh, blew up that mosque in, uh, oh, which one was it? Oh, it's a serious, uh, he was trying to start a, and did, trying to start sectarian violence. And uh, he, uh, Blew up a mosque that was very important to the Shiites. And uh, so that was enough for us to go up north. And uh, I guess they don't need to get too military jargon, but they had broke our brigade up into task force. So we were in the first task force. And about three months after that, the second task force went up. And then uh, about... Three months after that, the last task force went up. Uh, I was lucky enough, or wait, no, was that the next one? No, I came home right away on that one. My last deployment, I had to be, I don't even know what my awesome title was, but I spent an extra month and a half or so in Kuwait making sure everybody else got home all right. I freaking... Got to see all of the beautiful countryside of Kuwait, or should I say the desert. Kuwait's a completely manufactured country. I mean, like, it wouldn't exist if oil money didn't create it in the middle of nothing. Like, you're just driving along for an hour on a highway in the middle of the desert, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a city. Like but, Vegas? Yeah, I mean, I've Vegas. never been to Vegas, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so Kuwait doesn't, you know, but I had to... Uh, escort the buses that from the camps up near the border to the uh, actual airport a couple hours drive. Uh, were you ever assigned to like garden airport like uh, like in Afghanistan where they had a garden airport look out for suicide bombers? Um, well, not specifically an airport. I did lots of guard duty. I've guarded hospitals, power plants. Uh, the closest thing that everybody, if, if you've 
kind of the green zone mm -hmm. with uh, the heavily fortified, impenetrable, super secure area where like the Iraqi government and, and the, uh, you know, it's, it's anyway, I guarded uh, one of the, and I was, uh, I was in charge of one of the entry points to the green zone for. Okay. What are the, some of the things they trained you to look out for when you're on guard duty? Oh man. I mean, <laughs> I feel like reciting my general orders. I'll guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. <laughs> nope. That's your first general order. I don't remember the second one off the top of my head. Uh, well, let's see. I did get to go through a class first deployment. Uh, they drove me out to another base for a couple weeks uh, because Br the Brits were given a, a in-depth advanced search techniques uh, class. And uh, mm -hmm. I guess they're, the reason they were considered the subject matter experts is because they'd been fighting terrorism in Northern Ireland for, you know, 20 years. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to back up a hair, uh, I didn't join the army to be a beat cop or to uh, patrol the streets or even man checkpoints. Uh, I'm a artilleryman by trade. Mm -hmm. I shoot cannons, really big bullets. Uh, never got to do that at war other than at a, a range. We got to shoot some rounds, but I have not fired rounds in combat. Every time I've went to combat, I've played infantrymen, mounted cavalry, I guess is what, uh, but no different than a beat cop. I mean, or, you know, yeah. patrolmen uh, in, any, in any city, but uh, world police board. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily need to go into e everything. Uh, let's see. I so I guess maybe I'd start back as uh, when I joined the army in, in September 11th and all. I almost went to Afghanistan twice, uh, but I joined the army in in what was it? Oh, July of 1998, right after high school. Uh, I did like a year and a half, two years at the local National Guard. And I went active duty January 4th, 2000. And I had just got done doing a physical, <clears throat> physical fitness test the morning of September 11th. I scored a 298 out of a possible 300 best score I ever had. I went home on cloud nine. I was eating breakfast. I was, you know, celebrating and I flipped on the TV and uh, well, the world changed. And I basically sat there glued to the TV for about 15, 20 minutes. Couldn't take my eyes off of it before I realized that, uh, hey, I, I live on an army base. I might want to get back to work and see what's going on here. Uh, <laughs> by the time I got back to work, uh, everybody was in full body armor and weapons drawn with uh, live ammunition and they were guarding the, you know, 
guarding the command headquarters on the base. Uh, that first couple weeks after September 11th were, ooh, the force protection measures that they had on our base inside the United States, one of the largest bases in the United States. 60,000 troops, uh, or, yep, about that. Anyway, uh, man, nothing. I had to drive, I, I lived on the base. I had to go through two to three checkpoints just to get to work <laughs> on the base. I didn't have to go through gates to, <laughs> uh, shortly after no. that. Go ahead. I was going to say, how long after 9-11 was that going down with the extra security protocols? Uh, well, at least two weeks. And then I'm not sure exactly how – some of them have never changed uh, in the sense of like – this is even before my time, but I heard some Army bases used to be just open to the public. Like you could just – now you couldn't necessarily use the facilities without – having proper credentials, but they weren't closed to, you wanted to come on and go play at a basketball court or, or I don't know what else you'd do on an army base necessarily. But somebody told me one time that Fort Riley used to be an open base. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, where I was going with that story is we went to a the Joint Readiness Training Center, Fort Polk, Louisiana, uh, about Mm, let's see, two weeks or so. Yeah, about two weeks after uh, after September 11th. And so we got to go play war games in the Louisiana Swamp. And it's tough training. But, man, I never took training more serious in my life. You know what I mean? Like, of course, your, your leaders want you to take training that serious every time you know 24 hours a day seven days a week you know never stop being a soldier but uh uh no i took that training serious and got back and in uh fort campbell's infinite wisdom they decided not to take the artillery yeah, so when they deploy i think fort campbell relieved the marines in december Marines secured the air base in Kandahar, and uh, you know, shortly after. When did they? I'm not even sure exactly when they landed. They gave them some time to turn over Bin Laden, but wasn't too long. Uh, but the Marines took over the Kandahar air base, and then Fort Campbell followed, uh, relieved them, and did uh, a year-long tour. But they didn't take us artillerymen. So, hindsight's twenty twenty. They took them every other time. <laughs> so I missed out on the first Afghanistan. Uh, I got to uh, I got to uh, Germany in February, March of oh four three. It's got to be oh three. Sorry, March oh three. And we deployed to, uh, I got to Baghdad the day that uh, Bush uh, said mission accomplished. <laughs> How's that for some irony? <laughs> yeah. And I actually got to see him speak at a Navy base before. I was actually on 
they call it permanent change of station uh, leave. I was taking some yeah. 30 days leave, and uh, uh, I was down in Jacksonville, Florida, which has a Navy base not too far from it. And there was that's where the 101st Airborne uh, was shipping their helicopters out of was the Navy base. So I'm on vacation watching all these Blackhawks and Apaches just zip through the freaking skyscrapers. And, of course, Bush had to give a motivational speech at the Navy base. Uh, so I polished up my boots and pressed my <laughs> uniform. And you know, one of the proudest days of my military career was that an Air Force officer come up to me. You shine them boots yourself? <laughs> Damn right, I fucking do. I don't know what, you, I don't know what military <laughs> you're in there, but uh, uh, how did you feel when uh, George Bush had a shoe thrown at him <laughs> at that press conference? I was gonna ask, maybe he was there, he was the one, yeah, black security. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I um, <clears throat> never been that close to the president whatsoever, uh, but yeah, that I mean. I get it. It's a shoe. It's a, a what do you want to call it? A weapon of opportunity. But dang, the guy got off two shoes before the Secret Service got pushed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and you're in a combat zone. Like, you know yeah. I, mean? I can see if you're in the White House press secretary room, or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Freaking George Stephanopoulos starts to whip his shoe at you or something. All right, you know. So. We'll kind of pivot just a second in a second to Afghanistan, but you know, with everything that's going on there, uh, would have been best, but probably to have this show a week ago, that was when kind of everything was going down. But uh, unfortunately, tornadoes took out power, so we had to postpone. Um, but since you're a veteran of Iraq and seeing the fiasco that, uh, Afghanistan kind of is right or was is right now. Um, like, would you say we we won in Iraq? Like, I guess maybe it could be the media just is ignoring Iraq, and so like you don't ever hear about it unless like something major happens. But do you feel well, like I, we won Iraq? Is Iraq successful? Let me sound like a politician uh, for a second, but I mean, it depends on what you want to define as the mission. Uh, I think, uh, does Iraq have a functioning government, democracy, uh, a military? Barely. Uh, so in that sense, did we accomplish our goals? I'd say no, you know what I mean? Uh, but if regime change was the main goal is ousting Saddam and, and, you know, giving them a chance. Uh, you know, I crammed myself, probably didn't need to, but, you know, I watched, brushed up on my documentaries here and there or whatever have you. And uh, uh, which guy, he was a fairly high dude. Like, I want to say he was, not Brent, but like he worked for the State Department or, you know what I mean? Like this guy was high up there. And he even said, and I agree with this in a sense, Iraq's worse off than it was. You know, I, I don't regret what I was asked to do, told to do, you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, it's, it's so unstable and, and just 
I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah, that's what I mean. It's kind of hard to say. Like the media. I mean, I haven't really heard a whole lot about Iraq, to be honest. I mean, things could be going pretty smooth there, for all I know. Uh, but I, yeah, definitely. In hindsight, it's like, you know, the whole Arab Spring, and we destabilized the whole entire region, multiple countries, uh, you know, Libya, Egypt for a while, uh, Syria most recently. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the whole situation. Uh, I just watched the thing that said Lebanon doesn't have a functioning government. Uh, Syria probably, I mean, can't have a functioning government. I know that, uh, I know that the um, Iraq is still, they're, they're playing favorites. Whoever's in power is abusing the other, you know. It was a Sunni minority rule in that country for so long and the brutal dictatorship under the, you know, suppressing the majority Shiites. Well, now, so the majority Shiites are in charge now and it's payback time. It ended up tit for tat. I mean, to build on where you're trying to go with this, I think is uh, you can, it's easy for me and hopefully most people to, to draw parallels between the the two, two withdrawals, the two drawdowns, the two exits. Uh, uh, the only real difference between the two is, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? The uh, abruptness. Uh, Did we the, ever get an actual withdrawal from Iraq? I mean, I know they declared it over many times, yeah, they, but... In 2010, they changed the mission name to... Or wait, was it? 10 yeah around there shortly after i left the last time uh they changed the mission name to to new dawn and we were supposed to have pulled back out of all our forward operating bases and basically just be at the airport in the green zone uh when i left basically I, when i said i was running that entry control point to the green zone at the end of the day, let me hike my belt buckle and be like, I was the American, I'm in charge. But uh, they ran it. I sat in a control booth and watched security cameras. And uh, times a shift, I would go inspect, you know, walk around and inspect, uh, you know, soldiers and make sure they were, you know, doing the right thing or whatever. But it was Iraqi soldiers, uh, Ugandan uh, explosive dogs, uh, yeah, this was the green zone. I mean, this is like where, you know, the prime minister and president of Iraq uh, work. And this is where, you know, the, mm -hmm. the American embassy is and whatever. They had state-of-the-art equipment and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, these security cameras, I could zoom in. I don't know, mile out, I could see a car coming if they were going slow, slow enough, you know. But, <clears throat> but, uh See that, yeah, that the, the timeline for withdrawal was was uh, more gradual, and and I'm not an expert on it, but like, uh, by the time we declared Iraq over, 
And then the Iraqi army fell. We're talking like a couple of years from the time American soldiers, quote unquote, left, whether they did or not. I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing uh, that there's still, still some there. I know. Oh, yeah, that was. I just story. looked it up. There's 2,500 uh, U.S. soldiers there still in Iraq. I, I was going to follow that up with a question. Oh, yeah, Greg, go for it. You go first. Though. <laughs> no, I was just going to comment that I actually had heard uh, from multiple sources. Actually, this guy actually said it. Um, but even under uh, Trump, he was trying to pull all the troops out of uh, Syria. And, and uh, they lied. They basically lied to him. And they kept troops in Syria and just said, no, there's no troops in Syria. Yeah. And the one guy mm-hmm. even... Uh, they went on record. Uh, some spokesman. Who's, li- who's him? Lied to. Oh, the lied to Trump and said, because Trump said that he didn't want any troops in Syria, and he ordered he ordered the troops to pull out. And whoever these people were, you know, kept troops in and just basically lied to him about it. Yeah, uh, I remember that. I mean, I, I'm just. Oh, hold on. I was just, uh, that was just my comment about, you know, Iraq, you know, even though it's over, like we still have troops there. I'd say Afghanistan's kind of weird and different in that uh, supposedly we're completely out of there now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We want to, I mean, we want to start sounding like a media or whatever. Have you? uh, no U.S. troops left, uh, what do they estimate, about 10,000 maybe uh, Afghans that uh, should have came but didn't and or should have been with us but weren't, and uh, 100 Americans. Yeah. yeah it was- the minister, what I heard too was that anybody that uh, wanted to get out had an opportunity. Jared, do you think if we withdrew the 2,500 troops in Iraq that the same situation would happen in Iraq where the government collapses like immediately and there's chaos is ensuing? Uh, or do you think Iraq's a little bit more held up than that? No, absolutely not. Iraq fell. I, ISIS mm-hmm. took over half of Iraq. The Iraqi army dropped the I mean, exact same mm-hmm. thing as... Uh, Mm-hmm. Exact same thing as Afghanistan to a T. Now uh, the and we weren't even yeah the twenty five hundred yeah that if if uh, if ISIS would have continued to march or you know to continue to advance and hold territory, uh, they could have got to Baghdad. I'm sure. I'm almost certain that. Uh, I don't have half. It's not my third. Third Iraq fell to ISIS, and that's why I say the parallels are just. This would be my wheelhouse where I can draw. On. I can make the uh, connection between Afghanistan and Iraq is because you know, I don't have the emotional investment quite. Because uh, I never went to uh, Afghanistan. But my my pity pot, my uh, woe is me, or, or I don't know how I, my emotional connection to Iraq was. You know, I mean, forty months of my life, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, 
friends lost lives, uh, you know, missed birthdays and anniversaries and, and you know, and to just have the Iraqi army just throw their hands in the air and fold without a fight and just give over millions of dollars worth of equipment. I, I've been there, done that. My heart fell out of the, I just, yeah, I grabbed me a couple of beers and I started drunk dialing army buddies and crying on everybody's shoulder I could. And, and, uh, it hurt. It hurt. Yeah, to, this whole, uh, just spreading democracy by force. Uh, hasn't worked time and time again. Uh, there was even a couple examples in the Middle East where, uh, you know, they held these democratic elections. Well, like Egypt is one example where they hold these democratic elections and they end up electing the uh, extreme uh, Muslim, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood took over Egypt for a while. Luckily, the military was strong enough there that they kind of got rid, that they ousted them and got rid of them. But uh, that was, that's one of the hardest things. I don't disagree with you, but do you realize what you just said? What's that? Oh, good thing they overthrew that democratically elected government with a military coup. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Greg. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess. (laughs) No, a democracy... Yeah, democracy doesn't always work the way you want it to. Sometimes, well, I uh, mean, for like Iraq specifically too, you know, uh, like how you kind of say uh, it might not be better off than it was. It's like, yeah, Saddam Hussein, I mean, I don't think anyone's calling him a good person, but it's like he kept that extremism in check. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. it's almost like that's, that's, I mean, I guess that's all I'm trying to say. It's like, I don't know, the people will vote for their own enslavement, I guess. You know what I mean? I, you're well, trying yeah, I mean, to... You know, yeah, spreading democracy doesn't work. And, and nationalism hardly works. Like, I love nationalism. But anyway, I, was, <laughs> I saw a t-shirt one time that said Jesus was a nationalist. <laughs> but, uh, So uh, we saw a third of Iraq collapsed when um, we kind of withdrew from Iraq. Um, And Joe Biden claims that he had no, didn't expect Afghanistan to collapse at all, even though we saw what happened in Iraq. Do you believe Joe Biden when he says something like that? You know, I do in a sense uh, because. Um, when you're talking about being lied to, I, I don't think it was the biggest secret, but they definitely sugarcoated uh, their, I would never even call it success in Afghanistan. I mean, their surge over there didn't even hardly work, but they're at least neutral stalemate. Uh, anyway, do I believe that he... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think anybody saw it falling. I don't think anybody saw the soldiers being chased out of the country. Didn't yeah, see wasn't that it, happening. It, wasn't it like one day or like even like two days? It seemed like it was really, really fast. Uh, they officially took, according to what I saw, they officially took over Cabal, the, uh, the city, like 
basically the 16th or 17th, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure why they enclose so fast and so rapidly on the airport. Uh, other than flexing control and stuff, but like, yeah, they, I mean, here's another, sorry, this is on topic, but uh, kind of a different point we will probably got to later, but all these, any war that takes 20 years and three and four administrations, uh, all of them share the blame. Uh, yeah. My favorite part about being a libertarian is uh, I point fingers both ways easily, and it doesn't bother me in the least bit. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a Republican started the war, Democrats continued it. Uh, a Republican negotiated the withdrawal, a Democrat executed that plan. I, yeah, you're the scarecrow pointing which way did you go, left, right? Uh, <laughs> Doesn't matter. I mean, the right wants to be mad at Biden for botching the exit. I mean, last time I checked, he didn't have a lot of military experience. Uh, he had some generals that should have been taking care of that for him. But I always like the attitude. The buck stops with him. He's the president. He's wearing it. He's owning it. He wills. Well, speaking of that, we got this little, we got this little two-minute video that kind of plays into this. We found. Sure. We'll play it real quick. Biden kind of gets into it with some reporters sometimes when he gets asked yeah. something he doesn't want to answer. <laughs> take one more question. Wait, 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 wait. Let me take the one question from the most interesting guy that I know in the press. That's you. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks? I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. You know, I wish you'd one day say these things. You know, as well as I do, that a former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In return, the commitment was made, and that was a year before. In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm, I'm being serious. I, no, I, I'm asking you a question because before. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate? The best of you or not? What? I think they have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed, and that it is messy. The reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it or has reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office, was because the commitment was made by President Trump, I will be out by May 1st. In the meantime, you agree not to attack any Americans. 
That was the deal. That's why no American was attacked. So anyways, I... I've heard recently that um, the federal government might be in talks with the Taliban to give them intelligence to help them fight ISIS. Are there any thoughts on that situation? Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't do it, but we seem to make that mistake over and over again, actually. But we did just uh, we did just arm them. Well, yeah, it's not the first time we've worked with the Taliban or Al Qaeda or. Uh, you know, uh, it's. I don't think it's worth it. I really don't. Not unless you think. Not unless they think that that ISIS K has, uh, you know, global international reach. I feel right like now. that shit's just made up. Like somebody just made up that term real quick. ISIS K. ISIS K. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it seem weird to you that uh, that there's there's a, a what do you want to call it? Fundamental or what, what's the uh, word I'm looking for exactly? But there's people out there who don't who consider the Taliban not conservative enough. Yeah, right. Uh, you're not doing it right. You need to be what what uh, what more do they need to add? But and if there was a resurgence of any terrorists in the region. You would almost think it would be like Al Qaeda or something. It's like this whole ISIS. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if the Taliban, like, I hate to like I get back to the whole um, kind of the joke of uh, of uh, Egypt and overthrowing whatever. I mean, it it hurts my ears, but the way they talk about it on the news and stuff is like. Uh, uh, you know, the Taliban's now basically the legitimate government of Afghanistan. I don't know if internationally recognized, but uh, as I listen to, the, you know, this interview and that interview, and and uh, they're we're in talks with the Taliban, we're in talks with the Taliban, you know, like, so they're negotiating or they're, you know, the American government is not considered, not treating them like a terrorist organization. They're treating them like, somebody to have a diplomatic dialogue with. Like, uh, well, I, I don't think the Taliban can govern. We, we couldn't do it. We could, we couldn't support them to do it. We couldn't do it. Uh, I don't know if the country itself is governable, if you will, uh, in the sense of like we think in America, but uh, if the Taliban wants to be, you know, clan leaders in control of Afghanistan and, and stick stick to brutalizing their people within their own borders, I don't think they'll have a big problem. Uh, we've got enough assets in the region and stuff now to where we can, we don't need to be there anymore. I think that's what it highlights, like what a complete waste of time the whole 20 years and $2 trillion really was because the Taliban was the government of that country before we invaded them. And so, yep. like, how can you even claim that we really accomplished anything if the minute we left, the Taliban, the same exact Taliban that was in power 20 years ago, 
just sat there and waited for us to leave. We didn't necessarily have a problem with the Taliban. They gave safe haven to Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I, you know, just going back like uh, with uh, what Bin Laden, I mean, and then you find out he wasn't even, he was in Pakistan. He wasn't even in Afghanistan. Now, I mean, he might have, you know, been crossing the borders. Who knows, you know, but. Oh, yeah. That's where he made his, that's where he formed Al-Qaeda, fighting uh, the Russians in Afghanistan. Um, <clears throat> yep. Uh, but I will just say, uh, you know, talking about the pullout, and a lot of people were kind of upset, uh, mad at the way it all worked out. I mean, I'm not unsympathetic. You know, you see people freaking uh, falling from airplanes and, what was it, like 13 U.S. troops died a week ago? And uh, you see the pullout. Um, but, like, as Biden kind of said in that speech or in that little clip we played, it's like, to me, it just highlights the failure of government in general all around. It's like, uh, so the original pullout or the original end was, like, May 1st, right? So Biden extended that until that September. Uh, so he, you know, expanded it or you know extended it till September. Yeah, but troops and all Americans are two different things. But well, no, all I'm saying is they technically had an extra five months. It's like government could have planned. They didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, everyone. I'm not necessarily blaming uh, Trump. I'm not blaming Biden. I actually. I'm kind of sympathetic to Biden because everyone's jumping on his shit about how terrible this pullout was. And it's just like, I just keep going back to like, okay, but we should have been out like a decade ago. Like, I mean, this is nonsense. It's like, come on, man. How long did you think we needed to wait to get it right? How long, you know, should we have extended this? And why didn't the government plan this earlier it's like you guys had 20 years to plan a pullout you oh, know? Yeah. now this is yeah this is again that's where i this is where i become an armchair quarterback or monday morning quarterback here if you will because i'll be goddamned if we didn't plan and rehearse a plan a b c d fucking months in advance I mean, like yeah 20 years and you don't have an exit strategy like even like I get, I get it. That was absolute worst case scenario. You were being chased out of the country by, uh, you know, Taliban's on your heels. I got it. Like, you know, should have had a plan for that. Shouldn't have to be flying in an extra twenty five hundred troops to secure the airport to get the last Americans out. Like, even, and like well, a lot of the Afghans too that they were leaving behind. Again, I'm totally sympathetic. You know, the people that helped us over the course we of the last 20 years, the, too, but. the translators, all that stuff. But it's like, again, it's like government had a decade to deal with this. It's like our immigration policies, the visa, the red tape, the it takes 10 years to get a fucking uh, immigration card or, you know, whatever. It's just like, oh, yeah. again, as a libertarian, it just highlights the dysfunction that is government, and people always look to government for solutions. It's like, and these same people that were mad about the pullout and how it was handled, it's like, 
Well, who was going to handle it differently? The government, the same government that just fucked mm-hmm. this up completely. You think in some scenario they weren't going to, they're not going to fuck Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have much faith, but. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and like I said, I, I get the poop on generals here, but like, yeah, how did, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, there was one general I watched it on the news, and I don't know who he was exactly, but there was one general, and he's giving his little speech, and someone asked him, um, and you kind of answered this question earlier, but I don't buy it. But they asked him, they said, you know, did you think uh, that the Taliban uh, would take the control or, you know, take back over after you guys left? And he's like, no, there was just no indication that that would happen. If we'd have known that, we would have never left. And it's just like, I, I don't buy that. I mean, maybe you didn't think it was going to be as quick and as kind of crazy and as fast as it was. Uh, but you had to know at least a third, you know, kind of like uh, at least a third of the country was going to go uh-huh. straight back. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could figure the rural areas and stuff like that. I don't know the geography and demographics of uh, Afghanistan and Vegas, but uh, uh, I, I agree and disagree. Like, uh, I don't. Biden could have known. I mean, you know, depending on how knee deep he is into the operations of Afghanistan, his generals could have gave him proper intelligence. And I, I just, well, no, I can't believe just, that nobody saw it coming anywhere. Yeah, this was just a general that said they had no idea that this would happen, and it's just kind of like I don't know about all that, man. <laughs> well, where I want to give him, where I want, like the the thing that I love. I, my favorite Vice News uh, was kind of giving him crap for the feeling, but I liked it. Uh, the whole we can give him the tools to fight, we can give him the training to fight, but we can't give him the will to fight. Uh, and that that's what that's what hurt. Like when when you know I saw ISIS overrun Iraq, it was like you know I spent three years training training the Iraqi army hand walking them like privates day one up to you know combat ready infantrymen ready to defend their you know cities posts neighborhoods and the second they saw any resistance it was like i don't want to fight nah never mind i'd rather live under isis that's you know self-preservation is a strong tool you know what i mean like that's why people cling to the sides of airplanes because that's what seems like the best option at the time. But I just don't quite understand. Like the Taliban's going to cut your head off anyway because you worked for the Afghan army. Why not go down swinging? Uh, okay. Man, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in that situation, and of course, it's always easier to be. You know, of course, I'd fight, and, but that's what podcasts are all about: is playing Monday morning quarterback, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
Uh, how do you feel about? Uh, I think uh, U.S. gave the Taliban a list of names of people that they were trying to evacuate because apparently the Taliban had a perimeter around the airport too. I mean, apparently now rumors are that the Taliban are using that same list to find the people that were working with the Americans and retaliating against them. Do you think that uh, constitutes a uh, treason? Or is that too oh, strong wow. of a word? The T word for justice. <laughs> the T- <laughs> I did. It's actually against your own government. Why would be ratting out a handful of civilians be Uh-oh, did I lose? No? All right. What's that? I didn't catch Maybe. that. Yeah, it was some kind of... I saw you guys all chuckling at my classy joke, but I didn't get <laughs> to actually hear it. So, um, But, so what were you we saying, huh? The, uh, I lost my train of thought there. You asked me... I was just like wondering oh, if that would constitute, yeah, if, if it would well, be treason to hand over a list of names of Americans and to that Taliban. Here's where I don't know if names would be important. Why would the Taliban need to know their specific names? Ah, uh, because mm-hmm. if you're an American, you were supposed to have had credentials and and. Uh, that's the crappy part where you're talking about our we we promise them translators the world and and then you know I don't know hit or miss whether it comes through I, I saw quite a few of them you know working on their their immigration packets from you know they show they proudly show them to you you know inch thick packets all the documents and letters of recommendation and, and mm-hmm everything else and uh and i was watching some uh whatever news clip or whatever and uh they were talking about this guy who got his papers after working with the army for 10 years he literally got his papers like 24 to 36 hours before the last flight to get out of country but yeah that they uh Oh, they even get a little better, too, if you will, because what's it up? Oh, they go by 70. The military-industrial complex. Uh, eventually, uh, we don't even hire our own translators anymore. They have Raython and whatever it was, uh, T3 Solutions or whatever. They were the ones that hired our contractors. So then Americans don't have to make, you know, then the American government don't have to make promises to them. Oh, Okay. That's pretty dirty. Yeah. Or, well, they'll still get the promise on the surface, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I'm not saying we're lying to those people, but the the uh, system we have in place to make sure that they're out of harm's way when their time is over is non-existent, broken. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of these numbers are amazing as we're talking about botched uh, withdrawal and this and that. Uh, 125,000 people in like the last few days, last week or something like that, were evacuated. I mean, that's... That's wow. crazy. Yeah, I just read 
50,000 Afghans are expected to be admitted into the United States. Yeah, the some of the bases that they're holding them in. The here we go. You I think Christy gotta, Noem said she would take in two. Wow, <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that. Really, really opening the heart. No, I'm just kidding about that. She didn't. She, I think she was trying to bitch, but then she's so two faced. Like she, she says she's not. That what I heard was that she was unsure about it. But then she'll like make statements saying that she supports Afghans and their fight for freedom. And it's like, well, then open the fucking door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Didn't she already sign an executive order saying she wouldn't resettle refugees here? Syrian. I know she wouldn't take. No, I think so. I know she wouldn't take uh, Mexicans. So uh, I read this, I, you know, they keep throwing this number out since we we're talking numbers. Uh, they keep saying that uh, we spent $2 trillion in Afghanistan over the last 20 years that we were there. Um, do you believe that number? Do you think uh, maybe it's a little bit of a, you think it's more than that? Like I was just kind of thinking about it and it's like, Okay, well, in 2001, if you looked at our national debt, I bet we were sitting at two, three, four trillion. I'm, I guess I could Google search it quick. But anyway, you know, and then you look at 20 years later when we leave Afghanistan, our national debt is like 21 trillion. And granted, the last couple of years with COVID, they've just been spending out of control. So, that doesn't necessarily account, but I'm just saying like all that money wasn't spent on social programs in the United States. Like where'd that money go? Do you think it was really 2 trillion or do you think a lot more money was funneled? Um, nope. Uh, I <laughs> well, that number does, you know I mean? We start talking trillions. You're above my, my uh, intellectual capacity for numbers. We're just talking but to put it in a term, fraud, waste, and abuse. Because uh, I was in Iraq. Not that Afghanistan wasn't suffering the same fate at the same time. You know what I mean? But uh, uh, yeah, right when the insurgency, I went to Baghdad without a, a, a bulletproof vest. All I had was a frag vest. Uh, and uh, Humvee with canvas doors and 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 wooden truck bed lining. So, you know, uh, now Rumsfeld's comment to that was you go to war with the army you have, not the one you want. You know what I mean? So, but I, it was, I had been in Iraq for five or six months before I finally got a bulletproof vest. Uh, I'm not, sh I don't think we got up armored, I don't think we got armored Humvees for at least a year. Uh, but so when Congress is raising a stink that we, when, when uh, the civilian population is raising a stink, hey, how dare you send our soldiers over there without uh, proper equipment? And then Congress is saying, hey, how dare you send those soldiers over there without proper equipment? Uh, I watch these blank checks get written. I, 
I mean, just dude, it's like it's like a shopping spree. I'm not even joking, dude. The commanders of each unit would just open up supply catalogs and order everybody multi-tool Gerbers and and Camelback backpacks and whatever you name it. I I got stuff in my house still because when uh when I didn't go to Afghanistan the last time my unit went. Uh, I was a rear D first sergeant. I was in charge of everybody that stayed back and all that other good stuff. So I had to clean out the buildings to turn them back over to the base housing authority, right? So I had to clean out our supply rooms. Now, blank check had been written, you know, for this unit for a few years by then. And as my commander is saying, uh, he opens up this supply room that literally you can barely open the door and it is to the ceiling. And I had three of those. I had three of those rooms like that to clean out. And his exact words were, I don't care what you do with it, get rid of it. I'm not inventorying it. So rather than inventorying it and sealing it up into a container, you know, I would have been responsible for, uh, he just tells me to get rid of it. I mean, I, let's see, there's got to be something within, I don't know. Uh, it's probably pretty similar to what happened in Afghanistan when they left. They're just like, oh yeah, just leave well, all them MRAPs and stuff. See the MRAPs and the, the mine resistant vehicles and stuff. That, that was part of that blank check. They did, uh, you know, the army was like, or the military DOD was like, uh oh, get us something that can survive these IEDs quick. Well, they had three, they were in such a hurry, kind of like the COVID. You know what I mean? Let's get everybody working on it. Let's see which one works best. They had the Max Pro, the Caymans, the, the you know, I forget all the names of them, whatever have you. Uh, they ended up with three or four different manufacturers they gave contracts to. And, well, they're barely built the military specs, so they're not, like, uh, easily transportable on cargo planes. And so, yeah, believe it or not, these million-dollar vehicles that we, they shot through their butts to get in the theater were best left there they don't really have a purpose in the united states uh they can give them to the local aberdeen police department yeah. uh they can spend fifty thousand dollars worth of uh, uh of uh civil that forfeiture money to put a machine gun turret <laughs> on their max pro yeah Woo. looks good in parades that. though i tell you what it looks good in parades yeah uh, but uh yeah, I mean, I, I, so, can't, I can't even begin to tell you how much. What kind of supplies were in the room? Like you said, it was a room full of supplies. What kind of supplies are in oh, there? Oh, you need, like, I mean, let's see. I'm trying to think of all the stuff I hauled out of, or, you know, that I kept. But, like, I kept a dry erase easel, uh, like a like an art easel. Actually, I kept three or four different dry erase boards. I have a huge, like, like a 55-inch dry erase board in my kitchen plus i have a smaller one that's uh uh like a four month planner dry erase board and then i got one of them like easel flip you know you can put paper on it or it's got a dry erase board i got one of those a uh, couple of fire extinguishers i got a kerosene lamp i got a two-ton jack i got any rpgs some of this stuff. huh any rpgs no, no live ammunition. The, <laughs> the only story I have like that, if you will, is uh, uh, I one time found a uh, 
uh, red smoke signal grenade. Uh, somebody had put it in the amnesty box, and the amnesty box wasn't locked, so <laughs> I was just walking around, and I opened it up, and oh, be damned if this ain't a live smoke grenade in here. Shit, yeah. So I took it home and uh, set it off in my backyard, and the little German town I lived in, uh, the neighbors didn't like that none too much, and they called the fire department. Uh, the whole neighborhood was covered in red smoke for about 10 minutes. Thank goodness, uh, thank goodness uh, uh, the smoke had gone away by the time the fire department showed up. To... Yeah, I'm not sure I wanted to explain that one. No, no, I was hiding, I'm sure. But uh, let's see, what were we talking about? Uh, weapons, explosives, no. Well, shoot, I didn't have a whole lot more uh, about Afghanistan myself. Uh, you got any final thoughts? Uh, we were going to dive into other big news uh, in South Dakota this week, over the last week, was uh, the Roundsburg situation. But anyway, you got any final thoughts on... Afghanistan, glad it's over, but what? <laughs> I, you know, I may have never went, but I still lost friends over there too. And I I don't know if it was real or not, probably just some sappy Facebook comment, but it, this exists. This is a real scenario, you know, like some of these some of these kids are growing up without parents. Uh and you know, that spouse that's trying to comfort that child growing up without knowing their their <clears throat> their parent. Uh, they had a sense of pride, a sense of purpose. Well, you know, your, your parent uh, sacrificed their life for X. Well, now X has just been dragged out from under. I'm not sure... You, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm, I won't be forced staying 40 years to make sure they were propped up. If 20 couldn't do it, 40 ain't going to do it. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, yeah, it's not just a news story for some people, you know, it, and I'm not saying that every, everybody that went or everybody that's in the services, you know, uh, going to be suffering from a deep, dark depression or is there, you know, uh, so emotionally invested in it, but it's more than a news story. You know, like more than a news story to some people. Some people, that's their lives. You know, for 40 months, I was in Iraq trying to make it a better place. Uh, that, I always believed in the mission. I always believed that we were there to do good. We were there to provide them with an opportunity for a better life. And that's the way I conducted myself every day. So that being said, uh, you know, to all my, my battle buddies out there hurting right now, uh, feeling like you, you sacrificed for not, I feel your pain and I know what you're going through. And uh, it's not easy. It's really not easy, but I don't don't dwell on it. Something you can do about it now. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. We lost a couple thousand 
troops in Afghanistan. I think they said 2,500. Another another 20 plus thousand uh, injured. Uh, And man, injured runs the gamut. You know, I don't know what the exact numbers are for Iraq, uh, but you know, I fall into that injured category from Iraq. I got my purple heart for combat injuries. Uh, at the end of the day, they didn't really end up being that bad, but <clears throat> but that's my blood. That was my sweat. That was my... The, the year stopped. That was the thing that, bothered, like, not bothered me, but, like, the whole world kept going, and I was there, you know, like, I didn't know the new music. I, you know what I mean? I just, the world just continued on. I come back and I tried to play catch up or, you know, like, I don't know. At 40 months, I was happy to give it at the time, but for that 40 months to just end up being, feels, feels like it was for nothing. It's like, dang, you know, could have done something else with my time. I don't think Afghanistan could have, you know, Biden should wear it. He should own it. it it'll be his presidency, legacy, or whatever have you. But, uh, but I'm actually kind of, I'm actually surprised that he actually followed through because I know I was kind of mad um, back in April or May when they were like, oh, we're extending it until September. And uh, I was like, no way. I'm like, great. Now it's just going to keep getting extended. And yeah, yeah, right. I, I was actually kind of surprised uh, that he actually followed through with it, especially because, I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't vice president for eight years of that war, yeah, too, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he actually was talking even about back then. I think there was some clips. Um where he was talking about ending the war, you know, in, in uh, Afghanistan. And it's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I'm always for, forever the pessimist, I guess, but I keep getting proved wrong lately. What do you guys think about Biden claiming he might declassify nine 11 files that just came out a couple days ago? I love the idea. The only not the weird thing, but the angle that the clip I heard about it was trying to spin was that uh, victims of the 9-11 have been uh, uh, asking for this for decades now mm -hmm. in hopes of finding a connection to the Saudi government so they can sue them. I mean, dude, if you're waiting for documents to be unclassified for 20 years so that you can hopefully sue the Saudis... I didn't lose anybody personally on 9-11, but, you know, I mean, is that going to bring you healing if you sue the crown prince of Saudi Arabia? I don't know. That's a nice pivot into uh, your next topic because, oh, boy, <laughs> I hope Rathenberger goes down civilly, dude. I want his underwear. His underwear? Yeah, I want his fucking underwear. <laughs> <laughs> clean out yeah. that dresser drawer i'm repoing it yeah i can't believe he got a speeding ticket two days before his court appearance <laughs> for careless driving which caused the death of somebody and he was going 20 miles an hour over dude. 
Yeah. Yeah, right. And then blamed it on a reckless driving, though. He blamed it on a he blamed it on a hill. It's like, oh come yeah. on, dude. Oh, it's going downhill. <laughs> Why didn't he have a cruise set? He, uh, I'll give it to him that he didn't start the conversation off with, "I I'm the Attorney General of South Dakota," <laughs> <laughs> like he did. Uh, initially. I can't remember who it was. Um, some government official. Maybe it was that secretary, that highway patrol guy, that Craig Pierce or Price or whatever his name is. Um, anyway, some government official um, came out this week and said that he shouldn't, he should have been charged with reckless driving and that he got yeah. off too easy. It's like, well, you know, thanks for sticking your neck out and saying something about it when the <laughs> damn court case is over. Like it's done. Yeah. He pled. He pled no contest. Like you saying that he should have been charged with reckless driving what? does jack shit right now. What does that mean? It goes from a class one misdemeanor to a class five, or what? Like, I'm just. I think if you could have proved, no, I think the way it would have worked is, and honestly, he was guilty of reckless driving. I have no doubt about that. We. We did a couple podcasts, some of our first ones, where we watched the uh, inf uh, interrogation video at, with uh, Roundsburg. And, dude, it was uh, he was on his phone. Now, their whole excuse is that one of the videos they tried saying he, he was on his phone 50 seconds before the accident. And it's like, well, so you're trying to say you know the exact accident or exact second that that accident happened. And 50 seconds is not a whole lot of time when you're traveling 65 miles an hour down the, the, the highway. But he was guilty of reckless driving. And anyway, had he been charged with reckless driving, he could have been charged with manslaughter. But they, they held this big old press conference with like state's attorneys. They held this huge press conference to say why to explain why they couldn't charge him with reckless driving or manslaughter. And then it's like after all the details came out, it's like he totally was guilty of reckless driving. Totally was guilty. It's like... yeah. What is, what is, I mean, I know we can look this up, but it's one of my favorite things to do even actually because uh, I'm not saying the law is easy, but if you, you know, if you can find the right one or know where to look, like this stuff is spelled out you must prove A, B, and yeah. or C or whatever. So, like, yeah, what's the freaking criteria for reckless driving? Leaving the road and 20 miles an hour over? Pretty sure I'm getting that reckless driving. Yeah, yeah. they said that they couldn't prove that he knew that he was putting people's lives in danger is the reason why they couldn't. But there's a, one thing I found out later just recently is that um, – Apparently, if you kill somebody while you're speeding, that's automatically reckless driving. And Roundsburg was going two miles an hour above the speed limit because they brought that up in the press conference. And they asked, I think Joe Sneave asked uh, the Hyde County State's attorney why he's getting a speeding ticket. And then she kind of laughed it off like, well, I don't know anybody who doesn't yeah. go two miles an hour the speed limit. But it's then like, again, well, you don't know a lot of people who've killed somebody. Again, like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an automobile expert, and I know they have a lot of computers 
and maybe somebody out there listening knows more than I do, but you know, so maybe it is possible with these new computers in your cars that it'll give you the exact moment that you were in a car accident. Maybe oh, it'll like Yeah, or maybe like uh you know, like with what Devin was like, oh, he was going two miles an hour. Like the skeptic in me is like, well, how'd you figure out he was going two miles an hour over? Like, did, is there a black box that literally says how fast he was going at the time no, of the man. impact? Cause otherwise no. you're just making it up and you made up that two miles an hour. You know what I mean? It's, it's made up, but it's not, it's not made up because, uh, I know there's friends. Accident like, reconstruction people, they skid use physics. Marks. Yeah, they measure the distance of the tire marks and the weight of the car and you know. I uh, bet I bet your ass it's not it's not uh it's not so specific oh, down to two miles an hour though. No, no way it shouldn't be able to. so what was I heard he was doing like what was it a seventy-five and a fifty-five or something, right? But for the Highmore accident or for the latest speeding ticket? Oh, oh. The latest the speeding latest. ticket, I think, was uh, like 57 and a 35. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, 35. That's well, I guess that would be that's residential. Wow. <clears throat> it could be. That's pretty fast, though, huh? South Dakota yeah. politicians got – South Dakota attorney general's got lead foots, huh? Well, here was another weird thing, too. Um, so his two charges that he pled guilty to, uh, one was uh, being distracted while driving. So let me ask, how the hell you get charged with distracted driving, plead guilty to distracted driving, but yet you're telling me that he wasn't guilty of reckless driving? That makes no sense whatsoever. But then... I looked it up. Oh, go ahead. The second point was his, his, the second thing he got charged with was making an illegal lane change. Well, where did you pull that out of your ass? What do you, who, first of all, there was no witnesses of the accident. So what do you mean he made an illegal lane change? What that's is that the, even? That's in the Highmore accident. That's the other ticket. Yeah. Those were the two charges was one was distracted driving and the other one was, um, making an illegal lane change. And real quick, the other thing that kind of got my blood boiling about that was the judge said that his hands were tied and that he couldn't, uh, his hands were tied as the, as the why Roundsburg didn't get any jail time, but that doesn't even make any sense. Both of those misdemeanors carried a maximum of 30 days in jail. I've always been told that judges have discretion on sentencing. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's probably part of the, yeah, but regardless, judges don't have to honor a freaking plea they agreement sure either. They sure don't, and he would have took it to trial. He could have been like, well, no, you're just I, I mean, I, I'm accepting your plea, but you're gonna you know, you're gonna do a month in jail. Like they could have totally not accepting the plea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ex the dude didn't even plead guilty either. He pled no contest, which is literally like saying I'm not at fault for this, but I'll ex I'll accept your fines for it. Yeah, they were even uh, they wouldn't even give him community service. He, the judge is like, I'm gonna have to think about that. And then 
like a couple days later. Well, after reflection, I'm not able to give him community service either. And like the community service the family requested was that he would teach like kids about distracted driving. <laughs> and it would be like on the anniversary of when he killed Beaver, Joe Beaver. Yeah. Um, but the judge said, nay. So he's not going to have to do that either. He's just going to have to pay some fines. He got off criminally, but his uh, social civilian world is over. Did you guys see his uh, letter of resignation from his commanding officer in the uh, reserve? Uh-uh. He resigned uh -huh. or what? Uh, his uh, commanding officer uh, requested his resignation. Oh, right. No, of his leadership abilities. Well, did he did he resign from the reserves or whatever uh, he's right, with? Uh, well, he's going. You know, his commanding officer told him to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. I guess I guess his governor told him to resign here too. So uh, yeah, that's the weird thing. I mean, I know we got plenty of details to discuss in this case, but like. What's he holding on to the job for? Yeah, like, I don't get it. Like, you're not going to progress. You're not going to get reelected. It probably pays pretty good, but I'm pretty sure you could probably get a job uh, because you had one before you were attorney general. Uh, yeah, why don't you just leave the state? Like, everybody knows who you are and everybody hates you. Like, why would you even? You got off <laughs> scot free. Not, yeah, that would be so weird to walk around, the, you know what I mean? Like, walk around here and, hi, Christy, how's your coffee? <laughs> he's, that, he's that one asshole that, like, nobody likes, but he just can't take a hint. And so he's yeah. still, just, still just hanging out, like, hey, guys. And it's like, oh, great. It's Roundsburg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see that Saturday Night Live skit where, where like Trump uh, goes to like some international summit and they're doing the same thing, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but uh, oh, look, here comes the anyway. Look, here comes Brownsburg. Yeah, I can see it. Get up! They're all eating. They're all eating in the cafeteria at the, in the in the pier uh, capital, and and it's like hurry up. Finish the chase. Roundsburg's coming. So they could all get up and leave before he... No, but I mean, seriously, though, like, touching on it, it's like, I don't get it. It's like, dude, you have accepted no personal responsibility whatsoever for your actions. You still act like you have no idea what happened. Uh, resign, dude. Resign. Yeah. Yeah. Even especially after trying to claim that Joe Beaver killed, tried to commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's so low. And he refused to pay the funeral costs. Um, wow. So it's like, dude, and the judge refused to give him restitution for funeral costs. It's like, man, Chris Germain says knowing South Dakota is going to be governor in 2030. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a sad state. Of, that's a sad state of this state. More corrupt you are, the higher up you get. Like here, here we go. We got Marty Jackley coming back, trying to make a move to come back. And he's one of the most corrupt attorney yeah. generals we've ever had. Yeah, right. Um, do you think that? Already forget about uh, Roundsburg, Peach, and Christy Nome might appoint somebody like a Jackley. She'd appoint Jackley, I guess. I mean, I don't follow state politics 
not well, but uh, I hope not. What do you guys think? What do you think the chances of him being impeached are? Currently, the House has like all the evidence from the case. They're looking it over. They're supposedly gonna like Chrissy Noah wants him impeached. Really sent him to and she gets what she, she wants. Sent it to him. She sent it to him. Well, they yeah. either they the legislature either impeaches them or they were just full of shit from the beginning because they actually had started doing it last year when it first happened. Yeah, and then they were like, well, we need to see where this court case goes. And it's like, well, the court case is done. But then they'll act like chickens because what they'll do is they'll they'll move the goalposts and they'll say, well, but he wasn't convicted of anything to do with killing that guy. It's like, so that guy just magically fucking died. Just magically died and no one's responsible is what you're trying to say. Well, if uh, your commanding officer in the military asks for your resignation, I don't know why the legislature would, but uh, so of course our state legis our part-time legislature that you know can move mountains in 90 days 90 days but whines about having to do actually any work uh well, i don't know what we're supposed to do with this uh thousand page document and uh you know not what we're supposed to do but so anyway i'm getting long-winded to say that uh whoever it was uh, whoever christine gave it to oh Said a majority leader? Is that what she was giving stuff to? Or is it like gonna be the house? Does it work like uh national federal impeachment? Does it have to originate in the I'm not sure. Someday I hope to find out, but I'm not sure. Someday, anyway, I'll, be, someday I'll be on the receiving end of the impeachment, but they basically said already they Without saying it, if you read between the lines, they uh, they wouldn't make a decision until next legislative session anyway. Yeah. They weren't going to call a special session before January to, to uh, impeach him. So if if they do, it would be it would be during the session or right after. Yeah. I heard when that is the on the radio. Is that right January? Now. Is that when you said it was in January? The special session is, or no, that's normal session. Yeah. Oh, normal. Yeah. Yeah. I am uh, grateful. I am grateful that uh, we only have a part. I mean, in this situation, it kind of sucks, but I am pretty grateful that we only have a part-time legislature because. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to meet and like that because all they do is come up with ways to like screw the little guy or come up with new rules or you know, very yeah. seldom are they ever doing anything that you really approve or care about. And uh, so yeah, I couldn't handle it if they met like six, eight months out of the year. Yeah, that I it's well, you know, it does stink when you're political junkie though trying to catch up. Uh, or stay caught up in that three months. Oh, yeah, there's, time, two, but... 
there's too much crap. Like every other day, it's like, and you hear about all these terrible bills, and you're like, and, and some of them will get you kind of worked up, but then you're like, okay, but that's not even going to make it out of a committee, you know, because mm-hmm. these guys come up with like 400 freaking bills that's... in a three-month period. What do you need, Brett? Yeah. Oh, sorry, my dog's hollering at me. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, what was I going to say to that? The I like... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Larry Sharp who said this doesn't matter, but uh, well, it's probably not his original, but looks like well, you, got a, you got a growth behind you. Yep, <laughs> yep. He wants outside or nice. lost or both. <laughs> but uh, you should. This is how a person, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but not. This is how you should look at every law. At the end of every law, every written, is a man with a gun willing to use it or put you in a cage to enforce it. All right. You got the, pro- Sorry, got the, cat. Got the cat laying next to me, too. There you go. Um, a little bit. You're like, it's like sounds like they're best buds. Oh, like Martin washed you. Our dog well, will feed off of your energy and excitement. So if you start getting a little, little too loud, a little too... Excited or yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I suppose I mean we don't have to keep you too much longer. Um there was one more topic for sure though we wanted to touch on. Uh next Saturday is Freedom Feast, the third annual barbecue for the Libertarian Party of South Dakota. Uh, I think you mentioned you're going to make some of your favorite beans. I am. I am. I definitely am making beans. Um, I'm going to pass on the ready cooked uh, ribs because the racks of those I brought last year, nobody touched. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. There's a lot better quality cuts of meat than that. But, uh, Shout out to Sean McDaniel, a viewer of the show. He's uh, donating three racks of ribs for Saturday. I'm going to go to the store and buy a bunch of meat. I'll post some pictures online after I get home. And Here's some pictures of the last couple. Last year was a pretty good turnout. I think we had about 30, about 30 people there. I'm kind of thinking this year is going to be a little bit bigger. I know there's like 25 people I was counting yesterday. Uh, just the first sure people I know coming, uh, about 25, but we're probably going to be, we could possibly hit 35, 40 people. You never know. Uh, I'm bringing my dogs. Well, that's two and more people. That photo, photo bomber you just had there, he'll be here. Yeah, the Palisades yeah, Park. Dogs. Palisades Park. It's nice. A bunch of us are camping that night too, so we'll be keeping it going. Got me a cabin. Hell yeah! Got me a cabin. The parents got the cabin. Oh, that would be fun. Our parents are coming. <laughs> <laughs> I could use yeah. the extra hand. Richard can help me cook. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll be having another auction. We got a. We'll have like a plaque. Of, man, we should probably order a plaque thing for the paper. We got a sheet signed by a bunch of celebritarians at Freedom Fest in Rapid City. I think the biggest name we got was JP Sears. Um, yeah. We got all the other classic names. We got the new chairs signature. We got oh old chairs signatures. Um, bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, big old area. Um, lots of room. You can hunt or not hunt. <laughs> you can, <laughs> yeah, you, you can, can fish. Go, you, yeah. <laughs> you can go hunting. Uh, no, uh, you can go fishing. You can go swimming. Uh, there's some hiking trails. Uh, a little playground area for kids. We'll be there all day. We'll start cooking in the morning. Uh, probably serve food four four o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. Got to give the ribs a good six hours, five six hours to cook. Yeah. So what's all on the menu then? We got beans and ribs. Making pulled pork. Pulled pork. Yep. Well, see, uh, Heather mentioned maybe I could do pulled pork, but uh, you did that last year. Yeah. Um. So we don't – so pulled pork, you know, doing it right takes, like, good 10 hours uh, of cook time. We don't have 12 – are you guys staying Friday night or are you guys just no, Saturday? Uh, just Saturday. Yeah, that's um, the only – Well, yeah, if I was going to do pulled pork, uh, I, I kind of – yeah, I kind of cheat and I split it up a little bit. <laughs> half smoke or half crock pot? <laughs> Snow crab crock pot? What? No, I said half smoke or half crock pot. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, Snow crab crock pot. I'm like, damn, dude. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll do. Guys and then you are right here now, but. Uh, um. Uh, Daryl Roots talking about bringing a uh, jalapeno garlic or jalapeno cornbread. He said, uh, "Ooh." And then uh, I don't know. My mom might. Our mom. She might make a side. I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah, we'll have pulled pork. We'll have uh, ribs. We'll have beans. Oh, hey, I'll uh, bring your uh, mason jar too. Your uh, your uh, what do you call right. it? Your uh, I know I yeah, I thought about doing that again, and then I don't have enough time by the time I wanted to do it. Uh, the uh, skip the blackberries. Yeah. Too seedy when you finally went to go eat uh, it. Yeah. And then I ended up blending it up too. Just. Oh, you got one full, huh? You sent me home with it. Oh. Sent me home with the jug last year. Of your adult beverages, yeah. I will bring it and return it full, of course, right? Yeah, yep, <laughs> it's clean. So it didn't quite turn out perfect, but uh, I had the missus, I told her to uh, 
Mike. Make sure you get me a mango. It's a seltzer, though, right? That's not what you drink, is it? I was trying to I jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, he's always sees, <laughs> he always sees you drinking Mike's. <laughs> yeah, that's what I drink. <laughs> it's delicious, isn't it? Uh, it's better than White Claw, I'll say that. Yeah, you and Adam Jewel have to crack a White Claw at the uh, Freedom Feast. Yeah, it should be great turnout. Uh, a lot of good food. Uh, like I said, we'll be there all day cooking. I like that corn. We did corn last year too. Might do some. Oh, yeah. I do corn again. Like you. I love you, corn. You brought corn, didn't you? I brought corn. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say though, I could do that cooler corn. It'll just cook on the way down. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. I know. I'm excited. Oh, can't hear you, dude. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Uh, Jared lives in a third world country up there in Aberdeen. But yeah, September 11th, all day, Palisade State Park. It is free. Uh, you can come. Uh, come and eat, hang out all day for free. Uh, it is a state park, though, so there is a entrance fee to enter the park. So carpool, bring a buddy. Yeah. And I have one campsite available um, for whoever wants it. It's free. It's right next to everybody else's campsites. Just got an extra one just in case. Somebody wanted one at the last minute because that usually always happens. So if you want that campsite, just message the Hedgehog Watchdog page and uh, let you know which campsite it is. Heck yeah. September 11th. Isn't that Patriots Day? Isn't that what they call it? Is that what? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is that the new term? It's kind of crazy that wasn't exactly picked. I mean, it obviously wasn't picked. It wasn't like we wanted to necessarily have a barbecue on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, but that is how it worked out. So we'll be talking about steel beams and jet fuel and Saudi, <laughs> Saudi agents, agents of the Saudi government. And, and we'll be on the lookout for uh, reckless drivers. Reckless drivers. <laughs> Oh yeah, here comes Roundsburg. I looked up the yeah. I looked up the the codified law and like generic as can be. Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't prove that. I mean, unless they, unless there's a, another subtext or or precedent uh, case law that I'm not following. Uh, yeah, if it was any one. If it was any one of us and we just ran a dude over and they could prove that we were on our phone up to a minute before the crash, we would totally be in jail for manslaughter. Like, that's mm -hmm. it's not even a question. 
the chances of us having to pay a huge cash bond to get out pre-trial would be. Yeah. Oh, you mean yeah. the local sheriff wouldn't buy you a car to drive home? Mm, pretty <laughs> sure. Pretty sure any person who drives a vehicle... Mm -hmm. All right, we're going, I guess. All right, well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Well, I hope I gave you a little bit of perspective. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Your insight it was definitely what we we're looking for. It happened faster than everybody thought it would, but uh, anybody who didn't see it coming, no, I don't know what. I don't know what you were expecting. Yeah. I did not expect to, uh, you know. Start seeing the Afghan president uh, at the UN and trips to the White House. And I didn't expect to see Taliban on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's all up on Twitter bragging about um, all the tax money equipment they got. I can't even. Do you want me? Should I pull up their Twitter account? Or? Oh man, I mean, I tell you, dude. Like, I get it that they had some, you know, get our equipment and whatever have you, but you know, I was watching them, like, some of the laser sites and freaking, like, they can't even use some of that shit that's on them weapons. Like, <laughs> I, it's called, like, pack twos, pack fours and stuff like that. I don't remember exactly what that stands for, but that little square box that's on the front of the weapon, uh, that's infrared lasers. So, like, you can laser designate a target. They don't have infrared or MVG. They might have a few MVGs, but uh, not very many. Uh, that's not one thing we left away. Might be goggles, but uh, like it's an expensive piece of equipment if you know how to use it. But if you don't, it's just extra weight on your rifle. Like it looks cool. It's a nice decoration for them, but uh, yeah. they're not going to know how to change the batteries in them APOGs. Somebody was saying that uh, they might have actually uh, disabled quite a bit of the equipment on the way out, too. I so, that even, so that even though it might have, you know, some of this equipment was still sitting there, it's like it's pretty, like you were just saying, it's kind of useless to them. Yeah, I watched one of the things, and I only think this going to be trying to but one of the things I was watching, <clears throat> I think it was actually like Australians, and they had left for a while, and they were coming back like six months later. And so these guys, these Afghan, whatever, patrolmen, army people, uh, still 100% completely uh, supported financially by the Americans. They were driving around in these trucks that had the most busted out windshields ever, and they weren't replacing them, right? Because they were just siphoning off money that would go to, or there was no money to buy. And anyway, so like out of the, they were putting out straight accounting numbers on this show I was watching. They're like, all right, this base has 15 uh, vehicles on the books. Out of the 15 vehicles, only 10 of them are actually runnable. Out of the 10 that are runnable, only two of them are actually, you know, what they would consider roadworthy, but what they were doing is they were still drawing the fuel supply for 14 vehicles, even though they only had 10 running. So they're taking home four vehicles worth, you know what I mean? Everybody's got a good, everybody's got a bum drop the American government. Tit. 
Yeah. Yeah, they were going back to check on these guys like six months after the Americans had, you know, left them. And, oh, we really don't have any money. We're out of ammunition. And, uh, some of the jokes hey like the google suggestion google how do you operate an mrap google how do you maintain an mrap <laughs> these guys don't have the maintenance facilities capabilities like this equipment all rot in six months how long i was thinking it. i was actually thinking about this the other day how long does like a, a Hummer uh, stay in operation or something, or an AMRAP or something like um, that? Well, I know what you're saying. Like, what's the expected service life? Of yeah, like what's the life expectancy? Because you know how government is. It's just like with the local law enforcement or something like that, right? It'll yeah. be what we would consider a perfectly fine vehicle, but yet every two years or Every three or four years, the whole town's got new police cars. Um, well, that is definitely not the case uh, when it comes to no Humvees. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, – well, let's put it this way. I'm not sure what they expect the vehicle to last exactly, but 20 years doesn't sound bad or – out of reason at all, but yeah. whatsoever, those vehicles are maintained every Monday. Every Monday, I spent half of the day in the motor pool, uh, in, the, in the where we in the vehicle, whatever, uh, greasing this, oil changing that. Uh, yeah. All right, well, we better let you get out there and take your dog out. Yeah, yeah. Like top bit top that, priority. So. He thinks so. <laughs> he thinks so. Yeah, the biggest concern with this, as far as the, them having the weapons is the small arms. I mean, once they shoot the missiles, they, they can't get more missiles. Once they uh, wreck a Humvee, they can't get any parts for a Humvee. Once they crash your helicopter, which they don't even know how to fly, you know. I'm not saying that, you know, every single person in the Taliban is a, is a illiterate cave dweller or whatever have you. But, you know, they, the, the maintenance, the, dis, the discipline, the maintenance, the, uh, uh, the uh, upkeep, the, uh, they have no clue. They have no clue. They'll destroy that stuff. And is the desert rust things or no? Um, well, no, but uh, sand inside uh, things isn't a good thing. No. Uh, no, you don't get rust without water or humidity. No salt, salt on the but, streets in um, Baghdad. Not so much. <laughs> Yo, well, yeah, I didn't really good. have anything else. Uh, Freedom Feast, if you're in uh, 
the area come out. It's like probably aside from our state convention, it's our biggest event of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be awesome. There we go. I'm back to the I just totally did the Midwestern whelp thing. I didn't even well, I just saw that meme the other day. Were you, were you like trying to like <laughs> end the I conversation? Had, just like, well, right now, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I suppose it's about time. <laughs> God, man, yeah. I remember when we used to do like two and a half hour podcasts? I actually don't really miss that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird, dude. It feels like we've never done two or three hour podcasts now. That used to be like every podcast. But right. oh hell yeah. Like our page on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, hedgehog dog. Come to Freedom Feast on Saturday. 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 Show up anytime. Food's gonna be served at four. Um one extra campsite available. So message us on hedgehog watchdog if you want that campsite. It's going to be fun. We're going to have campfire songs. We're going to have eat a lot of food, <laughs> talk liberty. It's yep. going to be 9-11, so we'll obviously be reflecting on 9-11. We're going to have an auction. We have some cool uh, – one cool item I know of that we'll be auctioning off. I uh, got um, – one thing I got to auction off, uh, Larry Sharp, when he was out at Freedom Fest, has a little book that he came out oh, with. Oh, yeah. And so he signed, I got an autographed copy – of his book, so we'll uh, auction that off. Yeah, that would be cool. <sighs> and, yo, episode is brought to you by PinkCoin. Check them out at PinkCoin.com. And I think we have anything special coming up next Sunday. We have got do we have Ned Horstead coming on still, or do we miss that opportunity? No, and honestly, I was kind of thinking we might not have an episode just because we're both camping Saturday night. Uh, oh yeah, true. Yeah, we'll skip next Sunday, but the next Sunday we'll have. I was thinking maybe it might. I got be some too- pictures from the tornado too, but I'll show. I'll save those for another episode. Yeah, that's why I would miss last week's. Like I hit by a tornado, power got knocked out for like two days, so I couldn't really operate. Fucking. Maybe we'll interview. Command some center got knocked interview. down. Yeah, I have it. CJ said he'd give us an interview on Afghanistan. He was actually in Afghanistan for quite a bit. So um, he actually he has got a very descriptive uh, testimony on exactly why the Afghan army caved. And I'll let him share that with everybody. Um, I think we'll re- pre-record the interview at Freedom Fe- Feast and then just air it the following Sunday. Or the second Sunday, whatever, whatever Sunday we come back. Sounds so hell yeah, come to Freedom Feast. Peace. All right, see you guys later.